0: Leaves taste good like a beer should.
1: You said it. Lucky strike means fine tobacco.
0: <laughs> Try a frosty cold glass of Bavarian right away. What's that
1: you say? No Boulder Dash or bologna here. Uh... Cheers, everyone, and welcome to the Unfiltered Gentleman. And now, with a higher BAC than your ABV, Greg Scott and Dan. Hey everybody, Greg here from the Unfiltered Gentlemen. We are on more than a road trip. We're going cross country. We're in Asheville, North Carolina. We stopped by Up Country Brewing. Uh, If you guys are in the area, 1042 Hayward Road in Asheville. Or their other location, 212 King Street in Brevard, uh, all Rivard. here. Brevard. Oh, see, that's that's the California in me. Yeah, you know. Uh, and I'm sitting here with John Cochran. John, thank you so much for hanging out. Oh, absolutely. Welcome to Asheville. Thank you. Yeah, we literally got in a couple hours ago. So uh, we'll see if I can make my way through this. We have beer. You'll be fine. Yeah, it, it always evens me out. Upcountry started a couple years ago, 2016, I believe. I guess mm-hmm. I'd make it three years ago. Um, I've heard great things. I have a couple of friends in Asheville, and, and I said, I want to contact some brewers, see if they'll be on the show. Who should I contact? Multiple people said upcountry. Oh, that's awesome. And then we stopped in for lunch before we got here. And we said, oh, where are we going next? We're going to upcountry. Oh, their food is so good and their beer is great. So apparently- uh, I love you're, it. we are doing something right. Yeah, your reputation precedes you. You've got quite the background in, in beer and brewing and craft beer and you've been around for a while, not to call you old or anything. But. Uh, you know what? <laughs> y- eventually
0: you get used to being the old guy. I actually started in 1995. That was my first brewing job.
1: Wow. That's uh, that's way back in the day for no, craft beer. It wasn't craft beer then. It was micro brews. They didn't have a fancy hipster name yet. Yeah, it wasn't even craft beer yet. Yeah, it wasn't cool yet. To a few people. Not very many. And <laughs> not to the masses. We'll get into that. We'll talk about Upcountry and some of your other background stuff. We have a nice little spread in front of us, which we'll we'll talk about throughout the interview as well let's get a little history on Upcountry. Like I said, opened in 2016. What was kind of the inspiration behind opening this place? Well, I had always
0: wanted to be involved in Asheville. I mean, as you know, this is a great beer town. And it was actually, there was an existing brewery here that became available. um, And it was at the time that I was leaving Terrapin Beer Company, which I, you know, founded, co-founded and worked with for a while. And it was just a great opportunity for me to come into an awesome beer town and start a small brewery from scratch. And, uh, Remember all the headaches that I had forgotten about over the years. <laughs> things have gotten a little too easy. You had to mix things up a little bit. Well, you know, it's it's fun. That's the key. I'm having fun. I'm working hard, but I'm having a good time. That's yeah. what counts. Yeah. Where are you originally from? I was born in Commerce, Georgia. Okay, so just outside of Athens, which is why you started turning down way there. back, way back.
1: Right? <laughs>
0: and your middle name. Have you ever watch the Jeffersons? I was born
1: the son of a sharecropper. <laughs> Most oh, really? people listening won't get that. Yeah, yeah it's fine. That's because I'm old. It's old references. Right. Uh, all right. So it makes sense that you started down there. Mm-hmm. Coming in here, you, you bought out, uh, I think it was Altamont, right? Yes. And then turned it into upcountry. Was there any sort of um, pushback or how dare you when you did that? You know, not really. There was a little bit. I mean, this town is
0: great, but change is also hard. Yeah. Right? And there were a few people. Altamont was a great local dive bar. And you know we came in and made some changes, changed the beer up, and did a did a little bit different. And there was there was a slight amount of pushback, but most people in the neighborhood were like, "Wow, this is cool. We love to see what you're doing."
1: Yeah, it wasn't like, uh, "Oh, you took away our favorite beers." Or
0: well, I did get rid of PBR, so there was some stink about that. I think they were selling <laughs> like 30 cases a week. or something Oh my PBR. god! Yeah, did they brew on site? Oh yeah, much smaller footprint than now. Yeah, they had fewer tanks than we have now, so I think they were doing you know four five six of their own beers and they had a lot of guest taps and then like I say some domestics
1: okay what's your uh, what's your output right now barrel wise
0: yeah wow um I think we're on pace to hit 1200 1300
1: something like that that's pretty good it's awesome we did 800 last year and 300 the year before that wow so. It's always growing, which is nice. Yeah. Let's get some history on you and you as a a beer lover and drinker. Sure. We're going to go way back. How did I
0: discover beer? (laughs) Uh, Actually, I was in college and there were, I was in a fraternity and a couple of fraternity brothers of mine collected beer bottles, right? And they had the bottles up on the wall. Right. And I thought that was just the coolest thing. So I started going to the package store and once a week I would buy one beer. That had not had. And it started out with, I don't know, maybe it was Budweiser and it was a 12 ounce, 16 ounce, 24 ounce, 32, you know, like all the different sizes. <laughs> and then we went through the Bud Dry and the Bud Dry Light. I saw that phase. But as I started drinking more and more, as I'm just really collecting the bottles, I started getting beers I hadn't had and picking up on flavor. And it really just opened my eyes to what was available out there. Uh, You know, crazy thing. They're still in boxes, but I have all those bottles. They're sitting in the morning at my house. Yeah, but i have still got this huge collection. But that got me started into learning about beer. And then from there, I started homebrewing. When I graduated college, I moved out to Seattle. So it's been a good year out there. At the time, now this was 1993, there were no real breweries in the southeast. There were a couple of contracts, things like that. But it had not taken off in the southeast yet. So when I moved to Seattle, I will never forget, I drove out. And I went into this one bar and they had, they must have had 20 or 30 taps and they were all, you know, within 30 or 40 miles. Wow. Which was for me being used to a bar with six taps and they're all domestic. That was a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually got a job selling, uh, life insurance and mutual funds. That was my major in college was risk management insurance. Hmm. Although I do have to say a lot of my friends looking back. They say, well, we didn't realize that you were studying for your career at the time when you were out drinking every night, <laughs> but now we know you, were out, you really were studying when you thought you were slacking off, right? Research. Um, exactly, yeah. exactly. But I, I had that job, and my, my boss, I'll never forget this, it was so funny, he actually told me that I should – I obviously had an affinity – for the brewers in town, and that I should try to become a trusted resource to sell them life insurance. Okay. And so I was like, you know what? You're right. I do have an affinity for that, but I obviously need to go at it from a different direction right. than becoming the insurance guy for brewers, you know?
1: Which makes sense that you're wearing the insurance sucks shirt. Oh, right. This is a
0: total coincidence. I got this <laughs> at uh, CBC a couple of years ago, and it's one of my favorites. I love this shirt. That's hilarious. Uh, so, what was your first job in beer? I got a job. Actually, I worked for free. Um, I always knew I wanted to start my own brewery. Going way back in the day, that was my dream. It's like, oh, I homebrewed, so I can start my own brewery, right? Everybody thinks that. Yeah, step know? one, step two. Exactly. Yeah. So I went to the homebrew store, and I asked him, and he mentioned this brewery that had just opened up in Atlanta. He's like, you should go talk to these guys. So I went to see them and said, hey, I'm going to be opening a brewery. Do you have any advice? And they like, well, not really, but if you want to come in and clean kegs and learn the <laughs> business, we can't afford to pay you, but you know, we're happy to let you come yeah. in and learn what to do. So... I actually think, so I was married at the time and kudos to my wife to support this. Awesome. I got a job working as a server at a Red Robin restaurant. Okay. I was also working as a fry cook in an Applebee's and then going to the brewery outside of that working for free. Wow. And that probably lasted for four to five months before they offered me a job. But I worked my way up. I was there for uh, two and a half years and ended up being a brewer there. So
1: Assistant brewer? Head Brewer?
0: Well, it was a, it was a small place. They gave me the title Head Brewer, but okay. I, wasn't, I wasn't ready for it yet. But, yeah. You know. You got to remember, this was the 90s. So all kinds of things were happening. Right. But,
1: Is that place still around?
0: No, they closed down in 1997. Oh, okay. It's because I was Head Brewer.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. Sign of things to come. Um, and then, so from there, did you... Uh, leave that place, and then start Terrapin? Or what was the history there? No, no. So, they went out of business, and I actually got a
0: job at a Budweiser distributor in Atlanta. Mm. I went in, uh, talked to them about selling craft beer. I don't think craft beer was a term even then. It's hard to remember, right? Probably not. But they were looking at hiring somebody to start doing some some different craft stuff, because I think they had just picked up Red Hook at that point. Okay. And were doing some things. Actually, back then, Anheuser-Busch was coming out with basically Anheuser-Busch versions of craft beers. They tried that before they ended up purchasing people Okay. because those were good. I actually remember trying some of them. They were good beer, but people were not ready to buy an Anheuser-Busch craft beer.
1: So it would be like an Anheuser-Busch IPA and then that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, stuff like or? that.
0: It was some some of them were throwbacks to original recipes way okay. back in the, you know, eight, late 1800s yeah, and stuff like that the brewers like pre prohibition recipes right, right. and stuff. And uh it was it was some pretty cool stuff, but And I will say, these are some of the hardest working people I've ever met. He's like, you got to start on the ground floor. We're putting you on the delivery truck. If you do well, we might get you into sales. (laughs) So I did that for a while. I had a, you know, worked hard, had a great time. It's a great group of people. And I left there because a position came open at Atlanta Brewing Company, Mm. which is Red Brick. And this would have been 97, 98. Okay. It's hard to remember exactly. A lot of beer. Right. So they had a position come up as a sellerman and I wanted to get back into brewing. So I took that and that's where I met Spike, uh, Brian Bukowski Spike, who was my business partner that we co-founded Terrapin and started that.
1: So you guys were brewing at- Atlanta Brewing Company. Atlanta Brewing Company. Right. And you he was head brewer, you were assistant? How was it working right right. out there? He,
0: he, was, he had just taken the position as head brewer because he was cellarman, and the person who was the head brewer left to start Max Loggers in Atlanta. You, you're from- Where are you from? California? California, So you don't, well. Nope. You wouldn't know it, but the the guy went to start his own brew pub in Atlanta, so Spike took over as head brewer, and then he got to sell him, and then I came in. And he and I were working there, and that's where we kind of came up with the idea of starting our own brewery, because I've always had that in the back of my head. Right. Actually, when Martha'sville went out of business, I had a partner at that point and we borrowed money and bought their equipment at auction and tried to get a brewery going in athens in 97 oh and luckily i was able to sell the equipment and break even <laughs> I, I, god i wish i could remember the name but i sold it to a guy that was opening a brewery in new
1: jersey okay at the time any chance um, he's still around who knows who knows right? yeah. there's no telling um i'm sure that gear is somewhere though i'm sure it is yeah i mean it's stainless. Lasts forever, It forever yeah. it does it lasts
0: forever as long as you take care of it right It was pretty cool, though, because we were trying to start a brewery in Athens. And unfortunately, you know, we borrowed money and we had six months to pay it back. And then the time came and we weren't able to quite get everything going yet. Right. But, I mean, you can tell from that going way back, I just knew that was what I was trying to do. I was always going to get my own brewery open.
1: Yeah. And I'm sure um, getting funding back then for a brewery was just a wild idea.
0: Oh, yeah. The, The only way we found money, it was actually the father of a guy that worked with us at that brewery.
1: And he was willing to,
0: you know, loan us a little bit.
1: Yeah. There's no going into a bank. Like, Hey, we're starting a brewery. Like, Oh God, no. <laughs> you're insane. Yeah. We have beer. Uh, all right. Before we move on, let's, um, we have this just gorgeous flight of many colors and beers in front of us. Why don't you start us off with what's uh, first? So this is what we call our Upco Lager. That's number
0: three there, yeah, for those of you watching at home. Um, we <laughs> call clear it, one. We, we call it a mountain lager. It's it's a traditional lager, a little bit more flavor. We use the Zaka hops in this, so it's kind of a citrus tropical thing going on.
1: It's a great beer, Mm -hmm. in my humble opinion. But I'm going to say that about all of them because I am biased. That's a great, what I like to call floating beer. That thing you can just take out on the lake or the Mm -hmm. pool or whatever. You just float with that all day.
0: And and this is something that you really see making a resurgence, right? It seems like all, not all, but most craft brewers are doing a pilsner or a lager or some type of of
1: beer like this. Yeah. It seems like everyone uh, did a great job with IPAs. So now the real test is can you make a logger and and not screw it up. Well, there's too many freaking IPAs out there, let's be honest. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah, that's what I tell people, though. Somebody says, oh, I don't like IPA. I'm like, seriously, you can line 20 IPAs up side by side and they will have nothing in common. Right. Yeah, even uh, my associate here. Hi, associate. She is not a fan of IPAs, but we have found that there are uh especially double and triple IPA she likes this, once those hops start to get balanced out like right. you can say you don't like IPAs but i guarantee i can find you something you'll drink yeah of course but yeah this is great this lager is fantastic you got a little bit of citrus in there from the mm-hmm. hops and it just it just sits there and it's nice and clean and uh, like i said perfect all day floating beer
0: yeah so this is one of the beers that we have in cans currently we're canning four different beers um And the Upco Lager is
1: one of them. You'll find it in stores around town, and you should pick it up. This might be a just a long shot. Any chance getting this on the West Coast?
0: No, that, that, one you of know, these days. That was so twenty years ago. Let's yeah. be honest. Man, beer is local now. Yeah. This brand, when I start, and that, we'll go back to kind of starting Upcountry. Part of what I was doing, the idea is it's a Carolina beer, right? We're in Asheville. We actually do sell in Greenville because it's very close, but but our core market is sort of this this mountain region, yeah, right here. Now, will we go anywhere else? Who knows? Will we even fill in the Carolinas? Who knows, right? But we're doing well right here where we are now. And I, I mean, your listeners are, are craft people. They know this. 7,000 right. plus breweries out there. Oh, yeah. 6,500 of them are top rooms and doing their local, local markets. And that, that's the new, the new way of doing it. That's the new yeah.
1: model. Well, it seems like unless you're the size of a stone or a Sierra Nevada or something like that, you're not going to be successful when it comes to distribution and, and just trying to go that big. Well, obviously, and we'll get into that. I'm sure I've been down that
0: road and it takes a lot of investment. It's yeah. just a huge amount of even more than, you know, five years ago, it's probably two to three times as much cost wise. It's not that the ingredients cost more. It's not that the, the cans cost more. It's the effort of sales and marketing that you have to do to stand out from the crowd. You have to put so much more behind it to play the distribution game that it's it's really, unless
1: you're going all the way, it's not worth it's right. not worth toying with it, paying for shelf space and right. all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, that's illegal in most well, places, but yeah. <laughs> it still happens. Uh, oh, before we move on, what's what's the stats on this? What's the uh, percentage and stuff on which the, one on the logger? Oh, that's a great question. Um,
0: reference the board. I know it's around four and a half, four six, something like that.
1: Easy all day drinker. Man, you didn't say you were going to test me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pop quiz. Hey, in my defense, I just want to say that three weeks ago, we had 27 beers on tap. That's and it's insane. hard to remember
1: them all. Thank you. That is quite the uh, tap management. It's a bit of an ordeal, but it's pretty cool. What, what's the goal? What do, you, what do you try to have on tap at all times? You know, that was honestly a little bit more than
0: usual. And it, it's dropping a little bit now because spring is here. And, you know, you saw our system over there. It's really small. We're on a seven barrel brew house. And we do have some outside distribution here in Asheville. And as that picks up, it's taking a little bit of the brewing away. I, ideally, somewhere between 15 and 20. Okay. I, I think that's a good number. If you fall below that, then there's not enough um, variety there. Sure. Part of what I believe is a reason for having a tap room and a reason for inviting the public in here is to show off beer. And that right. means all aspects of it. And that's why we do such a variety of things.
1: Yeah. I mean, you've even got some sours and Berliners mm-hmm. in there. So, mm-hmm. And if you have those sort of beers, it's having 20 is great because then you might have two, three, four, five sours and tarts and right. something like that. Right. And you have 15, quote unquote, clean beers. And it's a it's a nice little uh, list you got going on yeah. there. And that's
0: actually our plan moving forward in Brevard. It's a three-barrel system over there, so it's small, but we're trying to turn that into a sour brewery. So nothing large, obviously, yeah. but just do the sour beers there and do the clean beers. Here. Yeah, keep the bugs off site. Yeah. Have you had any issues with that? Uh, we're actually still waiting on the license. So we just took that place over a few months ago. Okay. And I'm waiting on TTB because when the government shutdown happened, it put everything behind. Hopefully, it's coming through soon.
1: Are you serving over there yet? Yes. Okay, just not brewing yet. Yeah,
0: North Carolina Law is really cool. It allows us to have a, another tap room. That is pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Heading back to your humble beginnings. So you started off as a brewer. You met Spike mm-hmm. brewing And then you guys are like, we need to start our own brewery. We were there at Atlanta Brewing for a couple of
0: years. I actually left to work for a craft beer distributor. Um, called Thunderhead Distributing in Atlanta. So when we decided we were opening our own place, neither one of us really had sales experience. Because remember when I was at the Bud Distributor, I was doing delivery. Right. So I still had not been out selling beer. Uh, so we basically made a decision. He was going to be in charge of the of the brewing side of the business. I was going to be in charge of the sales side of the business. So I went to learn that. Okay. So I went to work for a craft beer distributor for, I don't know, two, three years. Oh. Yeah, at least that because it took, you know, you were talking about going to a bank. It took almost <laughs> four years of trying to raise the money before
1: Terrapin got open. Yeah. So, the idea was 1998. The, the actual launch was 2002. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, there's no Kickstarters, let no. alone banks that'll even give you the time of day. Yeah. No. It, it was difficult. Yeah. How long did it take? I mean, once you got the money and you started uh, building out and such, how long did it take you to open? Well, we actually had to start as a contract brewery. Okay. You know, I'll credit...
0: Or blame my wife for that, either way you look at it, because she basically came to me and said, look, I've been supporting your ass for a long time. You need to, you know, I can say the word, right? Shit or get off the pot. Exactly. So we said, okay. And and really, we weren't finding money. So the idea was, look, we'll contract for six months or so, prove that we know what we're doing, get the beer out there, then Mm -hmm. the banks will come knocking on our door. Yeah. So we got the beer out and it was actually, let's see, that was 2002. It was another five years before we opened the physical brewery.
1: Oh, wow. And once everything opened up, um, I mean, I think everyone's heard of the name. It's it's not a, a small name. Did it, did it blow up pretty quickly or?
0: You know, in hindsight, you could kind of look back and say that, but no, because the first year in business was 100. I don't remember exact numbers, right? But I think it was 160 barrels of beer. Oh, okay. The second year was maybe 800. Third year was 2700, and it just kept growing from there. Yeah, that's pretty good growth. The, I think the key though, when that opened, and you know, laws were different then. Yeah, it's even changed now in the South, still is behind other parts of the country. You either were a brew pub or you're a distribution brewery, and you could not combine the two at all. Oh, and so when Terrapin opened, it was the third distribution brewery in the state. Okay, and so when you get in early like that, it tends to.
1: Let's be honest, it, it helps. Yeah, you know, of
0: course. You know, I came up to Asheville and opened the 29th brewery in a town of 100,000 people. That's a little different.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like Stone opening in San Diego. There was no other brewery around. It was Stone. Right. I mean, right. when you're when you're the first, it's easy to get your name and your foot in the door and to uh, kind of set your footprint and, and, and be the one. Right. Is that where you're from, San
0: Diego? No, 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 we're, which part we're from California. We're from LA. I'll turn the tables.
1: I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah, yeah, let's do All this. LA. Nice. Yeah,
0: we're from LA, but we go down to San Diego quite often. Okay. I took a vacation, was it last year or the year before I was out in LA for, we did a two week vacation. Okay. Went to LA for a week and then went to San Diego. Love and San Diego. that was awesome. I'm totally going off topic here, sorry, yeah, but we got it. an Airbnb on a boat, a sailboat. Oh, yeah, arena. yeah. It was great. Yeah, that's cool. And it was funny, you know, I'm looking at it, so being from the South, I'm like, they're saying it's going to be the hottest weather of the year in San Diego and I think it got up to 80 something and I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be really hot, hot, hot and there's no air conditioning. Can we survive on this boat? It was easy. No humidity. Nothing to it. People yeah. don't understand humidity until you come to the south, you know.
1: On our way here, I said, what's the weather going to be? And she says, oh, it's 75 to 80. I said, that's oh, no big difference. It's going to be humid. It's going to be so humid. not Come back in July, August and check it out. No, See I what think right think.
0: now it's perfect. And actually, here in <laughs> Asheville, you need to get, you know, get out of the mountains a little bit and really check it out. So yeah. I, I live, again, off topic, I actually live two hours from here. So I live in South Carolina, oh, geez. right? Yeah, on the commute back and forth. And it's usually a 10-degree difference in just that two-hour drive, wow. just because you're coming
1: up into the mountains a little bit. It makes the drive worthwhile. So I guess we should ask you, let's turn it back around. What were some of your favorite breweries when you were out in California?
0: Oh, my gosh. Not to there get were, sidetracked or so or
1: many. Um. Wow. Who did
0: I go see? I can't even remember. I, I will tell you this. There was a bar, a beer bar that I really fell in love with. So at the marina that we're staying at in San Diego, and I can't remember the name, but it was this little... Bait Shack on the huh. dock, okay, at the marina, right? And he, you'd go in, and he made sausage. So they had homemade sausage. Wow! And they sold craft beer, and they sold bait, <laughs> or, or maybe that was the name of it. it was Bait Shack, Bait Shop, something like that. But it was on the on the pier, okay. out on the water, and and it was you know walking right from where we were on the boat, and I fell in love with that
1: place. That's it hilarious. Great. It was great. That's funny. Bait Shack. Um. All right. Before we get back on track, let's let's stay off track for a little bit. I'm not gonna let you get on track. No, no. Yeah, go ahead. Let's, uh, let's have another tasty beverage. Okay. What do we have next? Um,
0: that's a hazy IPO. Op- that's a hard one. I mean, where do you put the tart? Let's go tart. Right. Let's do it. All right. So, this is our Black currant Goza. And for everyone at home, I know you cannot see this, but this is a beautiful beer. What would you call that? Kind of a ruby red yeah. type color. It's a gorgeous beer. So, this is part of what we call our Simply Sour series. And you know we mentioned earlier clean and tart beers and keeping the bugs out and keeping separate. We actually right. do a kettle sour process okay. with this one, okay? And we don't. I, I know some some of your your hardcore sour breweries kind of look down on that a little bit, but we <laughs> we talk about it. And it's what we do, and especially in a town like this. I mean, you have Wicked Weeds with the Funkatorium here. They're making some incredible stuff. Yeah. But if you get a chance, you you got to go over there. Okay, and check that out. Along with the other thirty breweries in town, right. so There's some great things here. But the idea is, and we even call it simply sour. It's not sour; it's tart. You know, if you oh, try yeah. it, it's, it's a very—it's definitely easy not sour, one. right? So this is what we consider an entry level beer into this category. So for people who are not yet used to sour beers, you drink this, you get used to it, you learn, and you move your way on
1: into the rest of the category. Kind of the the beginner beer for sour, not mm-hmm. or non sour people. And I found that um, really light tarts like this are really good for non-beer drinkers, too. Right. People that like white wine and stuff, you get them in on some of these uh, oh, that's true. Berliners, and, and all of a sudden, they're, oh, this is good. Like, all right, let's try something a little more sour, right. a little no, more God. sour. Oh, this doesn't taste like beer. We gave someone recently a, uh, a Margarita Goza, and I said, here, just try this. What is it? Just try it. This is really good this beer? There are yes, still, it is.
0: <laughs> you know, it's funny, right? 7,000 plus breweries, craft beer. You think, I mean, we're in the scene. We think it's everywhere. There are so many people still that have no idea what we're doing.
1: No. It's kind of crazy when you think about it. Well, I just think of beer as being big beer. Yeah. Big American lager. You know, here's one that kind of,
0: this was a few years back when I was at Terrapin. Um, Horace Cunningham worked there. Great guy. He was our operations manager and he was a he's a big wig brewery, right? Older gentleman's been doing it for years. He was... In the uh, MBAA, the Master Brewers Association of America, worked his way up to president of it. Good friends with Charlie Papazian okay. at the uh, Brewers Association, mm-hmm. right? And so we happened to be in Denver. We went out. We were visiting Wild Goose, looking at a canning line. And Horace called Charlie, and they went out to lunch, and I tagged along. And I remember asking Charlie, because we're in Boulder, right? It's the home of the Brewers Association. It's craft beer. And I was like, you know, how many people do you – everybody here must know craft beer. And he's like, right. well, maybe 30% of the population. You know, it just kind of blew my mind. But it's it's true, right? Yeah. We're, we're sort of insulated in this scene, but there's so many people out there that aren't there yet, which is, <laughs> means a great upside potential.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. I have a friend who we're slowly converting to beer because she's one of those, I don't like beer, but she's liking all the sours and the fruited beers. Right, right. And I get a lot of the pictures from her. She's like, look what I found. And it'll be like a big beer, like trying to impress me. Like, oh, yeah, that's 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 great. We well, you know, it's crazy when you find these people that don't like beer. You usually like the
0: really crazy, flavorful, yeah. different things. and that's right? what
1: she likes. As fruity and sour as can get is her favorite thing, but you hand right. her uh, a pale ale and she'll turn her nose at it. Right. So you guys start Terrapin. You guys are going for a few years, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually things need uh, some financial injections. Right. So it was a contract brewery
0: and needing money to get a, a you know physical facility open. We ended yeah. up finding some local investors that, that helped get that started, which was really cool. Over time, there was a little bit of a difference in opinion on the direction of the brewery. And we ended up having to buy those investors out. And that's where Miller Coors became involved with the brewery.
1: Yeah. And at first it was like a, a 25% uh, it right, does it, was it was them. a minority stake, twenty four point yeah. four. That's right, because you're still great yeah, right? yeah. Because twenty four point five is where you're no longer right, craft. exactly.
0: But yeah, it was that, and then you know, you've obviously seen what happened over the last few years with right. the, the acquisitions and the change in the industry, and all this stuff was going on. And, and I will tell you this, and in, in all truthfulness, MillerCore's buying a majority of Terrapin. I think was the best thing for that company because it will be around. You know, when you think of the company and you think of the employees. It'll be around for a long time. The employees are taken care of. That's a, you know, from that standpoint, it was the right thing to do.
1: And that's kind of what I wanted to ask you about. I didn't want to come here to shit on you for selling out to a big beer. I wanted... No, that's to, fine. People, you know, where we're from, Ballast Point is a big mm-hmm. point of contention. Cause oh my they God, sold. one billion. That's great. Like that, that was... All right, this Cause is who another, wouldn't? Who wouldn't take a, the billion dollars a Oh God, and run? I think...
0: I don't think there's a person out there that no. if you threw a billion at them, wouldn't take it. But so I'm going back old school. Remember we said I'm old in the references, happy days when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. I loved the Fonz, right? right? Jumping the shark. <laughs> right. That was the moment that craft beer jumped the shark on selling out to. the Oh mayor. yeah. Yeah. Well, and
1: they've, they've admitted they way overpaid for it. Oh yeah. Well, I think uh, they wrote off what two 200 something million.
0: Yeah. And I will say this being straight up, truthful, honest, myself, my personal situation that was part of of the when Spike and I were discussing it and looking at it, we're like, you know what? We can keep this company and run it for another ten or fifteen years, and it probably won't be worth what's happening right now because mm-hmm. the industry just hit this this high point.
1: Yeah, and that was right at the peak of yeah of craft and be and everybody yeah. getting bought out and that right. sort of thing. But yeah, so that's what I want to talk about. It's like, everybody thinks like, oh, how dare you sell out? But from your standpoint, what was it like going through that process? Was it great because, you know, the company survives or was it hard to make that decision because you are selling yes. out?
0: Yes, it, it was both. It was not an easy thing to do. I put 15 plus years into that. It's personal. It's not just a company. That was my life. Right? Yeah. And it was people that I knew. They were friends and um, it was not an easy decision. However, for me personally, that company had become, you know, it was getting fairly large. At the time I left, they were doing 60,000 barrels. I think they're up to 80,000 plus now. I'm a big fan of small. That's why I'm sitting here struggling every day trying (laughs) to make a 1,000 plus barrels.
1: Driving two hours.
0: Yeah. It's funny. I keep a cot here. So when I come up, I sleep overnight. Makes sense. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What I'm trying to get at is... is for you to kind of humanize that process. For everyone, everyone else is like, oh, company sold out to company, but there's people behind that.
0: Yeah. I will say this. When let's just take it way back at the first one, right? When yeah. we were
1: discussing the
0: twenty-five percent minority ownership, they actually took Spike and I and we went to Milwaukee and we met the people there, mm-hmm. right? And we went out to Golden, Colorado and met the people at AC Golden who were doing the sort of craft portion inside the company right which was by the way I, I gotta tell you this story It was really cool so w- when we went out to golden i'd never been to Corps. so we were going to take a a big tour and actually it was dick line and kugel who took us on oh, the nice. tour right so he, he was our guide to take us to all these places yeah and when we got out there the guy from ac golden says i have something i want to show you all right and he takes us he's like this used to be a janitor's closet and it's locked he opens it up and we go in there and there's barrels of beer he, and he's like do not let them know i'm doing this could cost me my job. Hopefully, he's past that now. This was a few years back. Yeah. If if anybody bigwig at Coors is listening, just ignore this whole thing. None
1: of this ever Uh, happened. But we walked in,
0: and we spent a good... The entire tour was just hanging out in that room of barrels drinking the beer that they were doing, and they were doing an amazing job. Yeah. Even though it was Coors, it was this group of people inside. They had, honestly, a brew house that was the same size as terrapin i think it was a 25 barrel their bottling line was smaller than what we were using so wow. it was they, there was craft inside cores happening wow. and that was really what kind of opened our eyes to yeah it's a big company right but these guys get it and they get beer and here's the thing i i can tell you for a fact you know people are like oh you sold out and all that money goes to a foreign corporation, it doesn't. The money stays. I mean, they've added tanks. They've
1: hired more people right. in Athens. Yeah, there's more jobs. There's, right. there's more of that beer being distributed. Yeah, so it's and, better
0: for the town, the tax base, right? The city's getting more money from right. it, So Yeah,
1: it, it's better all around. Yeah, it's really interesting to to hear it from the insider's day because we all can shit on Ballast Point or whoever else that sold out. But it's really hard for me because I get it from both sides.
0: Yeah. like I really do because I i Am a big fan of craft and independence and doing it on your own, but at the same time, you, I mean, let's just say it out loud. I
1: sold out to Miller Coors, <laughs> so. but now you're here. Now I'm here. After all that, why why start another brewery? Why work your ass I off all over again? I ask myself that every day.
0: <laughs> Honestly, it's in my blood. It's hard to explain this, but it's part of it's it's part of who I am. Way back when I started, I. Visualized and I saw it and I knew that I was going to be 80 years old and I was still going to be in the brewery. Now, I wanted to be the old man that was going to drive in and sit at the desk and read the paper and watch what was going on. Right. Didn't want to be doing all the work. Right. No. And I don't know. I'm doing a lot of work here. Let's be honest. <laughs> you got a few years to hit 80, it's, but thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually turning 50 this year. So it's it's nice. coming. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I think I officially get my uh, senior citizen AARP I'll card. i your right? discount card. I think so. I'm yeah. looking at that one. Yeah. I'll take that. Get your senior discount at McDonald's. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, just, I love the process. I love what we're doing. And there's something, let's be honest, the challenge, right? The game, the 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 process you go through of starting from scratch and building something new and turning that into something that lasts longer than you. I mean, that's what I'm trying to do here. This is not a place that I'm going to be here for another five or 10 years and then it's just going to disappear. Like I'm working to make it sustainable, self-sustaining so that it can continue on. That's the the fun. That's the challenge.
1: Yeah, and even before we started, we we're we we're taking a tour of the brew house, and you were saying one of your great problems right now is you've you've kind of oversold Can't make enough. Yeah. yeah, no kidding. Working around the clock. Well, it's funny, right? We get an email from
0: our distributor with projections for the next couple months, and it's double what we did the last couple months. And the brewer's like, "Oh God!" And I'm like, "No, no, this is good. This is good. <laughs> we got this. We can figure this out." Well, I hope you hate vacations.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're
0: gonna be here a while. I will say this: the timing has been horrible because we had some employee turnover, and he's training a new person, and all that happens at the same time, but that's part, again, part of the game.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's uh, move on to maybe our next one here.
0: I don't even remember what I put out here. There's so many. What, what do we, uh, I guess we could try the Opel L. Okay. Let's do that. This is So this is a one-off beer that we just made. In addition to the things that we can and, and keep year-round, the beauty of being a small brewery is that we can do a lot of different things. And this was actually uh, Brian Bobo, our, our head brewer. This was his recipe, and I believe this was the first one he put together when he started. Okay. So it's the second time we've brewed this. But it's a good, easy drinking – I don't know. I love this one. That's yeah. why I poured it because I personally just really like this beer.
1: And I love pale ales. That's that's my jam right now. And that is phenomenal. Real light. Get a little bit of that citrus up front mm-hmm. and uh, finishes nice and clean.
0: We actually called it the I can go for that whole of oats pale <laughs> ale. That was a stretch. We didn't actually use oat hole, holes, but I figured what the heck. Yeah. You know, it works. How does that fit on a can? We're not that. <laughs> so, so here's the thing about the names and the beauty of being small. This has been my attitude for years, right? If it's a one-off and it's only here, have fun with it. Name it whatever you want. Nobody's ever going to know. If it's going into cans and it's going to be out in the public, you really need to trademark and try to avoid all the, what's the recent one? Um, Guns N' Roses, right? Suing, is it suing Oscar Blues? Is that right? Am I making it up? I don't know if I know that one. You're probably not making it up. If I'm not mistaken, it was called Guns and Rosé. I think that's it. Oh, jeez. And so Guns and Roses is suing them, right? Which, well, that makes sense. And then I saw somebody said, oh, well, they should call it the Axel Rosé instead. Oh, yeah, it
1: is Oscar Blues. Guns and Rosé. Oscar Blues is being sued by Guns N' Roses. Uh, the brewery is being sued for trademark infringement over Oscar, Oscar Blues, Guns N' Rose, a hibiscus pale ale. And the other
0: thing is that, let's be honest, Oscar Blues is a lot larger. Oh, yeah. You have a, a bigger shot of being caught, I shouldn't say caught, found out, getting in trouble. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: it goes nationwide. Right, right,
0: exactly. But again, that's sometimes that's good press, right?
1: Speaking of which, this was formerly Altamont. There's Mm -hmm. an Altamont Brewing out in California Mm -hmm. as well.
0: That's part of the reason I changed the name. Okay. Because a
1: lot of people are like, oh, you should keep it Altamont. And I actually really
0: like that name because it has a reference to the Asheville area. Okay. Right. But there's a brewery out in California. And when I came in, there was actually an issue with the trademark. Supposedly the place here opened first, but they applied or there was some some weirdness that I just stayed out of. However, going from an A name to a U name takes you from the beginning of the list yes. to the bottom of the list on <laughs> everything that's out there.
1: Yeah. As the unfiltered gentleman, you're either T or U. It's like at right, the bottom right. of the podcast mm-hmm. list. Like, crap. Should have been a unfiltered gentleman or something. Uh, exactly. How involved are you in the brewing process now? Not a lot, honestly. Okay. I don't even really call myself a brewer
0: anymore. I do know how, and I have brewed in the past, but I've been so long dealing with the business side and sales and marketing that I tend to do that. And and Brian, our head brewer, is awesome.
1: I mean, you can run through all these beers, and I don't think there's a one you'll find that you don't like. Right. Have you worked on any of the recipes, or is it just all Brian?
0: It's mostly him. We'll sit down sometimes together, like with the with the Black Current Goza. I know this sounds funny, but I wanted a beer this color, <laughs> right? And, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some different things and should you use this or that. But for the most part, he's the one putting it all together. That's like when people pick out beer based on can art. Yeah. I like the colors. Well, you know, it, it's funny. It, it, if you think about it, it, it's two aspects to it because you have to have the art for somebody to be attracted to it the first time. But if you want them to buy it a
1: second time, the product inside has to be Oh, good. yeah, of course. So it takes both. Yeah, I get a lot of tweets directed at us like, oh, I just bought this because it looked good and (laughs) not so good. It's like, you can't buy on the can art, buddy. I'm sorry. It's not always an effective way of purchasing And then, you know, it's
0: unfortunate, but another problem with – just in general, packaged beer that's out there. Yeah. There are so many breweries now. And I hate to say this, but when I go into a package store and I'm looking around, I'm always checking dates because it's so easy to find beer that's oxidized now the date. And it's, it's, it's a
1: problem. Yeah. Right it's now. either old or some of the beer doesn't do well. I mean, a lot of beer doesn't do well, but some of the beer really doesn't do well going from like cold to warm. Right. So you go to a, like, we have total wine out by us and mm. you hit the shelves and everything's warm, but you know, it wasn't made that way. Yeah. So it's kind of hard. It's tough because that's a shelf life, right? So here's the, the thing about beer going warm, it's okay
0: for it to go cold to warm, but it doesn't last as long. Right. Right. So the longer you store it at warmer temperatures, the less of a shelf life you have. Beer that stays cold can easily be good for four to six months, but if it's warm for, you know, even hours or a couple of days, mm-hmm. four to six months is now two to three months. I mean, it's a big difference.
1: And I would imagine as an owner, I mean it must be really difficult to control that. It is. Kegs, everyone knows. Kegs stay cold, of course. Right? That's a given. Yeah, like you can trust for the most part. Draft beer
0: has remained cold throughout right. the process. But with cans or bottles, it's out of your hands. It goes to the distributor. Most larger distributors, most good distributors, are at least humidity controlled, if not refrigerated, mm-hmm. on cans of, of craft beer and bottles. So that's okay. But then when you get into these these stores, you know it's on the it's in the back room. It's God knows what happens to it.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's hard. What's the big difference between, say, the Atlanta brew scene and Asheville? I would say that there's a
0: difference of a population of 100,000 people versus, what, five, six million people. And I think there's still more breweries here with 100,000 people. Oh, really? I think. I, I, I can't say for sure. We'll have to fact check that. You should check that. Asheville is very, what's the correct word? They're very into their local beer, mm-hmm. right? The beer that comes from Charlotte, which is two, three hours away, is not local and is hard to sell. Okay. In this area, we're in West Asheville, okay? We're not in the South Slope. We're not downtown. West Asheville is kind of the, the local Asheville hangout versus where the tourists go. Sure. And we're honestly, we're not even competing with the breweries down on the South Slope and other parts of town. There are seven breweries, if you count Urban Orchard, which is a cider manufacturer
1: in just West Asheville here. Wow. Like okay. up and down the street. Yeah, just this this little drag here.
0: Yeah, exactly. From here to New Belgium is probably a mile and a half ish, maybe two miles at the most, and okay. seven
1: between here and there. Is that still West Asheville
0: ish? Yeah, it's it's <laughs> funny, right? So it's at the river it's river they call it River Arts District, but they're on the other side and, and my understanding is when you cross the river you're in West Asheville. But I think you have to cross the river and get up the hill.
1: Okay. Yeah. Hard to learn in a new town, isn't it? It is. I've only it's fun been here, two, it right? is fun. I've only been here a few hours. Is it your and first time in Asheville? First time. Oh, you're gonna have a great time. Yeah. I hear there's a lot of good beard I gotta get my hands on. Yeah. Uh what's different about upcountry what sets you apart? To everyone else? Yeah, I mean, especially around here. I mean, even in Asheville, you you have a lot in a very small area and
0: it's it's a tough question, right? It really is. Uh our brand focuses on two things. We are about music, about local music. It's okay. part of the tap room. You saw our stage over on the yeah, other side. Very nice stage. And we're about the outdoors. Now, is that different than anyone else? You know, not really. This is Asheville. Everyone loves to go hike <laughs> and, and play around in the woods, you know? I think having a selection like we do is a big deal. Most breweries are not going to have 27 beers on tap. You know, I wouldn't say it's the most in town. I don't think it is, but it's in the top five without yeah. a doubt. Two things that I pride myself on is variety and balance, right? When we make the beers, if you try any of our beers, you're going to try the IPA. You'll try the hazy IPA in a minute. They're balanced. They're not over the top. You know, you mentioned Shannon doesn't like the, I can't say your name. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Hi. Doesn't like IPAs. You might like ours because it has a nice balance to it. It's not over the top hopped. Well, let's find out. Let's uh, let's crack uh crack it. Let's in. go scamper. Yeah. Is that the, that's the first one. Yeah. Now, cool story behind this one. And this is one when we sat down to develop it. We did several test batches because I told Brian we wanted to make the IPA. It, it needed to be sort of easy drinking, balanced, approachable, and I call it almost old school in a way. So this mm-hmm. is not your fruit forward. Nope. This is not your hazy. If you drink an IPA five years ago, this is what you would get.
1: Yeah, it's clean. You got a, a nice amount of dankness in there, but it's not. Right. Uh, it's not kicking you in the teeth with pine. Right. You know, it's it's nice and like you say, balanced. It's supposed to be that approachable IPA for everyone.
0: And this is one we put in the cans, and it is with the black current of so Those two beers are by far our top sellers, and they're kicking ass out there.
1: What's the percentage on this one?
0: Six. Let eh, me do, do this to me. Six <laughs> and a half. Yeah, Pop six quiz. and a half. Let me just sound like a note. Six yeah. and a half. Yeah, just sell it. We'll we'll take it. Six and a half. Six I and think and a that's half. right. Actually, tell me if I'm wrong.
1: Look at that. I'm oh, right. six and a half. Nice. Once again, balanced, and I think the main thing that I'm getting from all the beers so far is they're so easy to drink. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not one where I'm like. Whew, needs to be a cold day for well, you this know, guy. There, there have
0: been, and you've had them, right? There's been breweries I go to, and they'll make this flavor, that flavor, and it's over the top. Mm-hmm. It's too much of this, too much of that. It's not balanced. And I just, I don't like that. Yeah. I, ne- I need the beer to be approachable to a lot of people. I need to tell you a cool story about this one. And it's a shame the van's not here, but this is a collaboration with friends of ours from Atlanta who own a company called Scamper Van. Okay. So they're a camper van rental company, right? They started, I think, about three years ago with two vans. They're up to eight vans now. So okay. not a huge company by any means. They just bought the eighth one. They put our logo on it, and it's based here in Nashville. So f- first time you can come to the brewery, rent the van, oh, cool. drive up into the woods, and it, it's awesome. These vans are so cool. How fun. And we try to put a six-pack in every van.
1: It doesn't always happen Like if yeah. we happen to be out like we are at the moment. Right. But, uh, Swap it out with something else. We try. Yeah, yeah that's really cool. Um, when I'm doing interviews you know, at home on the West Coast, I always ask the brewers how they feel about the hazies.
0: I don't mind them. Uh, we've got our hazy IPA here. If you look at it compared to, uh, maybe the term is juicy. There's some yeah. that, that are too far, yeah. right? Just one slightly cloudy. But it's funny, because I am so old and because I've been in this business so long, a beer was never supposed to look like that. Right. Right? I mean, when I started, we did filtration and, and all this stuff to clean it up. And now it's like, oh, yeah, I guess it's like the sours. I mean, yeah, it didn't affect your
1: beer. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, throw throw some bugs in there. No big deal. (laughs) Some embrace it. uh, Some embrace it only because it sells. And then some are just adamantly against it because it's just against everything they learned as a brewer. I don't have a problem with them, but I will say this. We
0: are going to can, which we'll try in a minute, the Mm Isoprene. We haven't put it in package yet because it's hard to keep it hazy. Right, it comes out yep. hazy, and then if it sits for a couple of months, it starts to clear up. Yeah, and I'm even out. tempted to like turn the can, the label on the can upside down. <laughs> There's a part of me that wants to put instructions like shake vigorously, but I know some idiot will do it. You're right, and so that's probably not a good idea. I do think the upside down label would actually work yeah. out pretty well. It'd be cool. The only, uh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah, we'd still have to do because we use the pack tech carriers, right? So you still have the thing on it, so the can would be upright, but the label would be upside down. Right, so when they put it in really, the
1: fridge. They yeah, turn it maybe, back upside maybe. down. And then when they... well, let's figure it out. Let's check it out. Uh, isoprene, right? So isoprene. It's 6-4. Look at that. <laughs> He's on it. Not cheating at all. This one has a little more of that, uh, that juicy nose to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's It's a really good beer. You know, again, going back, I call it cloudy. It's our hazy IPA. This is a
0: cloudy beer, not a haze, not a heavy haze by any means.
1: Yeah, you can still see light coming through it a little bit. It's got a little cloud to it. It's got a nice amount of juice to it, but still yeah. finishes real clean. But what does that? Let's be honest here, right? What does, okay. The beer is hazy. I mean, you don't taste haze right. for the most
0: part, right? Maybe, maybe a little bit of mouth fullness to it.
1: Maybe, yeah. Right. Sometimes yeah. you taste chunk. <laughs> yeah. That's never a good thing. No, I have done some beer trades with people on the East Coast. Like, oh, I'm going to send you these New England IPAs and I opened one. It was gray. Oh, gray. It had started to turn gray as I poured it. I have never seen a gray beer. It was, beer. it was disgusting. Uh, another one just looked like you're pouring out orange juice. It was a ch- chunky yeah. and it was like, yeah, okay. chunks, not good.
0: No. Like, like haze is okay, but when you get chunks, there's some issue, there's something going on. There. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's
1: not what it's supposed to be. Um, what is your favorite brewery other than your own? Oh my God.
0: There are so many. That's a tough one. Um, so here's the thing about beer and breweries. I always say that When you ask the favorite, it's hard to pick one because it depends on who you were with, Mm -hmm. what you were doing. Because let's be honest, beer is an experience, right? And you could have a, I don't say mediocre, but not the best beer in the world. But if you're having the best time of your life, that beer is going to taste better. Yeah. I'll go back. And, you know, I still think back in the day when I lived out in Seattle in the early 90s, right, drinking Alaskan Amber, drinking Deschutes Black Butte
1: Porter, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So good. Old school. Yeah. But those beers were great. Yeah. The last thing I like to do with all the, the brewers and the owners is asking them a set of rapid fire questions. It's like a test. Th- this is the real test. Great. Uh, so the first thing that comes to your mind, mm-hmm. don't think about it too much.
0: Well, if you don't think about it, how it come to your mind? Well, you can think yeah. about it a little
1: bit. It's a quick thought. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What was the first beer you ever drank? Honestly,
0: not sure. Probably a Milwaukee's Beast or Schlitz or something along those lines. One of those guys. Now, I will say my go-to beer, and I actually have some in the fridge now, and we sell it here, believe it or not, is Hams. 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 It goes back to when I was in college. And you remember, if you walk into a, a store, if they've done it right, you've got the expensive beer up front. And then it rolls down to the cheap stuff. I walked right. all the way to the end, went to the last cooler door, went to the bottom. They had hams for, I think, $9, 24 Okay. Case. So that's what I bought. So yeah. back in the day when I was buying a bottle, I get my case of hams and the bottle was something I'd never tried. I don't think I've heard of hams before. Really? Yeah. I, we can open one up here if you want. <laughs> have to try hams. It's, it's a less expensive PBR. Okay. Which is already We'll get pretty. you one. We'll do it offline off here. We'll, we'll, we'll do a little sample. Yeah. What was the first beer you ever brewed? That would have been the homebrew when I was in college. I think a red, maybe of some type, but that was the extract, the dry yeast. Oh yeah. And I have to say this: the first, the very first batch of beer I did, you know, it's it's the plastic buckets. You get the little homebrew kit, right? Absolutely. Set that up. It was summertime in Athens, Georgia, because I was still in school there. And I put it in the kitchen on the counter, which just happened to be by the window. So, the sun was shining on it the whole time. <laughs> so, when it came time to bottle it, I took a sample of it. And it was so freaking bad, I poured it out. Oh, man.
1: that's That bad. That was the first one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the first one. Uh, what's the first beer that you brewed and sold? That would have been when I worked at Martha'sville. So, pale ale. Okay.
0: Cans or bottles? Cans, for sure. Yeah. It's a mini keg, right? Yeah. It's great that so many breweries are, are doing cans now. It, it's actually... I believe for a new startup brewery, less expensive to get into cans than it is to get into bottling.
1: Really? Yeah. I've heard that the, the canning line is more expensive than the bottling line, but that the cans themselves are cheaper. Possibly. I, I think if you're a startup now, you should go cans. That's just
0: my advice on it. Yeah. What I know it's less for shipping. You get more on a pallet. Oh, yeah. It is a heck of a lot less. Yeah. So it's, I think it's great.
1: Beer lasts longer. You can yeah. take it hiking with you. Exactly. Uh, what's your favorite beer and food pairing? All right, I'm going to go way back. Yeah. Actually,
0: my wife's roommate in college and a good friend of mine got married in Savannah, Georgia over a decade ago. I don't remember the year, but it's been well over a decade ago in Savannah. We were at this bed and breakfast in Savannah, and I remember being pissed because they would not allow beer in their place.
1: That's they awful. served
0: wine, so the wedding was there and they served wine. Right? But me being me, right. Um, I had, at the time, Terrapin was still making their Rye Pale Ale, which was like the go-to beer. And I, I hid it in the cooler, and I had it there. And they made this spicy uh sausage shrimp and grits. Ooh. That, with that Terrapin Rye Pale Ale, was the most amazing thing. I mean, think about it. It's been 10 years, and I still think about it. Right. It was a great pairing.
1: <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh It's Tuesday night. What are you drinking? What time? Say 7 o'clock. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, it depends. My... Two go-to beers right now. Honestly, I'm drinking the Scamper IPA almost all the time. Yeah. right. That's my beer. And then if I've been working hard, like you know, out in the garden, or right now, I'm, my project is putting a fence up around our property. Okay. If I'm like sweating and working hard, I'll grab one of those hams. Yeah. What is your beercation destination? So I will say this: Whenever I travel, I always visit breweries, which is hard because you know three kids and the wife. And that's right. not what they want to do. Although the kids are getting older, so that helps. I've never been to Oktoberfest. Oh, I would yeah. love to go check that out. That would be and awesome. I think I'm turning 50 this year. I think I'm going to make that my my thing.
1: Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite outside, to so non-upcountry beer? Non-upcountry beer? Right now.
0: Terrapin Wake and Bake. Okay. By far. That beer is amazing. It's an imperial coffee stout. It's phenomenal. What's your favorite non-beer hobby? Hammocks. Making or sleeping? Sleeping. Okay. <laughs> so so I love camping. I love hiking, right? But my hobby is hammocks. But think about it, right? If that's your hobby, what do you do? You hang it up and you get in it and you lay there right. and you take a nap.
1: So you could say you're a hammock enthusiast.
0: You could say that. Yeah. I own, jeez, um, I don't remember, seven or eight different ones. So I don't buy every brand that happens to be the same, you know, nylon parachute material hammock. Sure. But I do buy different kinds when there's something new that comes out. And my favorite right now, it's, it's made in Colorado. It's called War Bonnet. Okay. And it's a camping hammock. It's integrated with the bug net. These guys are for not. They do a great job. So you really are a hammock enthusiast. I'll show you some pictures. If you look at our <laughs> look at our logo right there, right. So that's the main upcountry logo. If you guys want to go online and check this out, yeah. it has a hammock in it, and that is because of. Am I allowed to mention another beer podcast? Go for it. I'm going for it. So good beer hunting. You okay, know these guys, right? Mm-hmm. They actually have a graphic design portion of what they do. They're the guys that created that logo, created this whole. Oh while, wow,
1: which nobody can see because we're on a podcast
0: we'll throw some pictures up and they did the can artwork for us as well
1: that's pretty awesome and then finally what's your favorite word or slang for being drunk if you're mostly drunk i would say wasted if you are really bad
0: (laughs) shit-faced
1: perfect if you guys are in the Asheville area please come by try out some of these very easy to drink and well-balanced beers i think that's the best way to put it absolutely yeah great floating beers Don't forget the food.
0: We're full, full brew pub, great menu.
1: We had had random people at our, our lunch spot telling us, you have to have the food. It's so great. Like, okay, we will find it's awesome. Upcountry Brewing 1042 Haywood Road in Asheville and 212 King Street. I said it wrong. Brevard. Brevard. I want to say Brevard. Uh, also in North Carolina, upcountrybrewing.com and at upcountrybrew on all the social medias. Have I missed anything?
0: We have other beer, but you know we can do that later. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, lots good. of beer. I, I
1: appreciate that. If you come to Asheville, come check us out. Please come check them out. Uh, highly recommended. John, thank you so much. Absolutely, man. This was fun. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Thanks again to John Cochran for his time, his hospitality, and most importantly, his delicious beer. Literally drinking some Upco Lager right now. It's one of the cans I was able to smuggle back on our trip. It came back successfully, by the way. No explosions in the suitcase. A little peek behind the curtain over here, we had hopped on a red-eye to go to Charlotte to end up in Asheville. plane was a little delayed. We had a crying baby a couple rows back. In fact, we had a guy right behind us that kept making weird noises about every five minutes in his sleep. So sleep was not something that we got a lot of. We landed, we grabbed lunch, went straight up to upcountry in Asheville to meet up with John, and uh, we were running on fumes. And I must say, John did a great job of bringing the fun and energy and was really just a blast to talk to. It was one of the most fun interviews I've been a part of. It was also nice and different to have him turn the tables and and ask me questions. So that was a lot of fun, made my job easier, so I really appreciated that. A couple things to note. I said we would fact check the amount of breweries in Asheville compared to Atlanta. I had some hard time finding the exact numbers, but here's what I came up with. In Asheville proper, there are 26 craft breweries. And the region as a whole has 60, where the metro Atlanta area has 31, and there are 69 total in the state of Georgia. Also, he had mentioned hams. I'd never had hams before, or heard of it even. So after we finished up the interview, he had to run, but he left me with a tall boy of hams. Hey, it wasn't bad. It was your typical uh, super light American lager, something you might drink while it's hot out or you're doing some yard work or something like that. Not too shabby. Asheville, the area as a whole, had some really great beer, and I hope to go back someday soon and, and drink some more of it. Uh, if you guys are in the Asheville area, make sure you check out Upcountry. Make that a part of your brewery stops. 1042 Haywood Road. They have a great space, both indoor and outdoor, and lots of live music. It's really just a great place to hang out. Uh, you can also check out their second location in, let's see if I can get this right, Bravard at 212 King Street, Suite B, You can also find them online upcountrybrewing.com or at UpCountryBrew across the board on social media. As for us, you can find The Unfiltered Gentleman at, well, theunfilteredgentleman.com, at The Unfiltered Gentleman on social media, except for Twitter at Unfiltered Gents. You can drunk dial us 805-538-BEER, it's 2337, and let us know what you think of UpCountry Brewing. Hopefully you enjoyed the interview. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you're all staying very well hydrated. And on that note, good night, everybody.